Welcome to Gapology Radio with your hosts, Mark Tinas and Brian Brockoff, authors of the leadership development books, Gapology, Imbar, and Speed of Purpose. At Gapology, our purpose is to help leaders achieve their greatest potential. To learn more about our groundbreaking books and training services, visit our website, gapology.org. Hey everybody, welcome to Gapology Radio. First off, I'd love to give a great big thank you to last week's guest, Shogun Greg Brown. He's a Grandmaster ninth degree red belt who shared some of his thoughts on creating a relentless training rhythm and mindset. If you haven't had a chance yet to listen to that one, I do invite you to go back and give it a click. So many of his practices that has made him a multiple time Hall of Fame inductee, you can also find in the pages of our books as well. He's a true gapologist in every sense of the word. And for more information on Shogun, you can go to his website, shogunmai.com. And tonight we'll be jumping back into our How Do You Know series, where we'll be talking about how do you know when to invest in someone. This could mean spending your company's hard-earned dollars and resources to hire someone new, promote someone, or even provide extra training or continuous education. A great topic for sure. So let's go ahead and jump right in with Martinez. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? Good, Brian. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, so excited. Last week we had um, you know our special guest, Shogun Greg Brown, on the show. Got a lot of great feedback. A lot of people uh, outside of our normal listeners got to listen to that one. So we've got you know some some good traction there. And now I'm. Looking at next week, we're actually going to have to take a little break. Um, so as we're recording this, next week is going to be Thanksgiving week. And I'll be traveling up to Minneapolis to see the family and that kind of thing. So so everybody just kind of put that on your calendars that we won't be doing that. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. I get Tuesday night off? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can relax next Tuesday. Well, but I really I look forward to these. <laughs> that's disappointing and you're disappointing me on thanksgiving week oh no sorry sorry mark <laughs> i thought i'd give, be giving you something to be thankful for no i'm thankful <laughs> for these podcasts yeah yeah well so maybe we'll do two on another week then to make up for it yeah we'll have to yeah maybe we could record two in a week we probably should have thought of that yeah yeah that'd be a good idea or maybe we'll just do one longer one. And in fact, last week's was double the time that we normally do. So maybe that'll make yeah. it. Yeah. Just, just for the record too. He was awesome. So thank you for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's an amazing guy. I mean, and, and you know, you and I had talked about this, but he is the example of a gapologist. You know, he really does close all the gaps all the time. He really does focus on that, even though in his world, that's not, necessarily the language that he's done but in looking at his behaviors it absolutely does that well it's amazing how quickly he connected with gapology because he realized that wow this is what i do mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah so yeah that's, yeah he, that's he would have been a great example you know when we were doing our initial research looking at a players and looking at those that are consistently above you know the rest of the group um you know some of the behaviors that that those people exhibited he would have been a perfect test subject for that. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to meeting him. Yeah. Oh, you definitely should. Oh, he's yeah. awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So actually, you know, that's interesting. It kind of ties into, um, in a roundabout way, what we're going to talk about tonight. Tonight, we're talking about how do you know 
continuing that series, you know, how do we know? Um, how do you know who to invest in? So uh, here we're looking at, you know, whether internal people, so investing in their training and development or investing in promoting someone or possibly somebody external, uh, you know, investing in bringing someone onto the team. So I think this is just a really great question to to start to uh, examine because, you know, companies really are focused on ROI, uh, return on investment. So we want to make sure that we're looking at our people through the same lens. You know, how do we know that we're going to have a positive ROI on uh, on our people? So I think this will be a good conversation. So what are your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's significant to most organizations today and they may struggle with you know what to look at in terms of who to invest in so mm -hmm. um, my first few thoughts would be you know keep it simple if it's an internal you're looking for someone whose performance you are clearly aware of and really sets the standard uh, you're looking for someone who aligns with the purpose of the organization and the values of the organization and really, you know, can be a model uh, for, for the future. And when you, when you have that individual, the investment is pretty clear and it needs to be substantial and a, a key focus for you as a leader, because the future of the organization really depends upon you know, those, those individuals. And uh, they're often few and far between. And uh, if you've got a few of them, that's wonderful. Go after it all. But uh, that's, you know, that would be my first take on, you know, who to invest in. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think always starting with purpose is always a great place to start. If they're connected with your purpose and they believe in it. And along with that, are they connected to your expectations? And are they working to achieve top results as compared to your expectations. I think that the, really those two areas to me would be really where you pretty much start. Yeah. On the, on the purpose piece, I, I look for behavior that aligns and represents the purpose. When you observe someone uh, in action, yeah. their behavior aligns with the purpose. It's not something you can really fake. It's very real. And when, when you see that, that, that's a big connection. And when you combine that with a performance and um, their spoken word aligns with the values, you, you really have got it lined up to where that individual can really carry forward. When I look back at my career over the years, one of the things that I succeeded in at a significant level was always having someone who could replace me. So I, as an executive, had someone who could replace me so that if I got promoted, someone could fill, fill my role immediately. And that's really what we're talking about here. You know, someone you could invest in who could replace you at some point is significant because that carries the organization forward. It also means that there's multiple versions of you out there and that's creating a performance level for the organization that, you know, I don't know how else you could replicate it. So when you have that, you win big. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think understanding what that bar really is. So if you're going to spend money investing in someone, I think you have to almost take a step back and say, so what is that expectation bar? Is this person going to actually improve the overall results? And if they are going to improve it by how much, you know, I think there's a lot of analysis that you can do there. You can look at the you know potential growth areas that they might need either inside the organization or outside. You can start to you know put dollars to some of this if you really analyze it as compared to whatever you're establishing as your bar. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I uh, one of the things we did, we had a large organization that we worked for, um, and one of the things we did quarterly was we nine boxed the uh, district level and the operator level. And we were in a retail business. So those that ran multiple stores and then those that ran a retail store, we nine box them. And you can look up nine boxing and understand it. It is significant. Uh, many organizations use it and it really does connect you with what's what matters. And you simply form a three by three, which forms nine boxes of a combination of performance and promotability. So the x-axis is performance and the y-axis is promotability. And that creates three by three, nine boxes. The upper right is the one box. And then two, three, four, five, diagonally you come across. And so everyone would, everyone on the team would be placed in a box. And what that did for us is it had us look at the one, two, and three boxes specifically because those individuals were high performers with promotability uh, in the near future, and that caused us as leaders to say, "Okay, what do we need? What do we need to do? Do we need to spend more time with these with these people? Yes. Do we need to have developmental plans for them for their promotability? Yes." And so the nine boxing process, uh, and again, there's YouTube videos on it, et cetera. You can look at it, but it it really helped us focus on those that mattered most. And uh, it also clarified those that were underperforming and what actions we needed to take. And the nine box clarifies what the leaders need to do. Does that make sense, Brian? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, well, in the past, we've had lots of questions around our ABC ranker that that we have in Gapology. And there's lots of ways to look at your team. You can use the commitment ladder, certainly the ABC ranker. Um, but a lot of the questions come around, you know, how do you know if somebody's in an A category or a B or a C or whatever? Yeah, and yeah, this, yeah. This nine box method is a great way, I think, to at least begin to start to define the performance versus the promotability of a person, you know, really looking at how those two things compare. Yeah. That one, two, three box would be the, would be the A group. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it becomes very clear. Uh, and again, you're looking at both performance and promotability and uh, where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your time? So you've got to spend your time with that top group because they can really, uh, you know, benefit from your time. They can grow and grow and grow and, and they expect that as well. And then that bottom group, which by the way, would be the seven, eight and nine boxes. They, uh, they need to step up or 
depart the organization. So they need some of your time. So the nine box does clarify that. But when you look at where to invest, that one, two, and three box is where to invest. And often one of the things I, I was talking to you about earlier, Brian, was the fact that we have found over many, many nine box sessions that the top performing group, the one, two, three in this case, often have the most upside. Mm -hmm. And that may be contrary to what someone might think. They might think that the bottom group has more upside. That hasn't been our experience at all. We found that the one, two, and three group actually have more upside. So when you focus on them, the performance of the overall organization improves dramatically. And they often show you things you didn't know. You find things that, that weren't visible that they can see that that they show you through their performance and so focusing on the one two and three boxes the top performing group the a group really has incredible benefit oh yeah i i think the argument really is that investing in your top performers creates a much faster and i think longer term improvement and the overall results i think this group is already connected with your purpose and your expectations. So they don't necessarily have the hurdle of overcoming that. They already want what's best for the, your customer, your company, and I think themselves as well. So I really believe they're more open-minded about new strategies and personal growth and professional you know, um, improvement and those types of things. Yeah. When I look back at times when we were performing at the top of the industry, I often would have three people on my team that could replace me. Three people. Yeah. Wow. Not one. Mm -hmm. Three people. So, what's that look like? How does that change the game? How does that change the results? Think mm -hmm. about it. If you could replicate yourself over and over, what's that mean? And it's it's a game changer. So, this this is significant. And what we've found, um, if I could, Brian, about the, the leaders that we've seen that have failed, they often spend most of their time with the underperformers yeah. versus Definitely. most of their time with the top performers. Certainly, the underperformers need to be supported. They need to be you know, encouraged, they need to be retrained potentially. There's a number of things there. But when you spend most of your time with the top performing group, you change the trajectory of the organization. You change everything. And they they need what you have. Mm -hmm. They may not know what you know. And when you give them that, it changes everything. And again, the organization changes forever because of your focus on on the a group on the one two three box in in the nine box yeah definitely I, you know as you're saying that i'm thinking by focusing on your c group by putting all of your effort there i think the upside is really short-term gain because they're not necessarily connected to your purpose and your expectations i think their improvement will be much smaller and i think it'll be short-lived where you work on your A group and you focus your efforts there, inspiring them, motivating them. I think there's so much long-term gain 
available there because they're going to they're going to motivate others. They're going to be that um, you know that individual that somebody that's underperforming might look to as an example. They may even be leveraged to help some of those underperformers. I just think that there's so much more to gain by focusing on that top group. Yeah, sometimes the the group that's at the bottom, the C group, can jump to the A group. Sometimes um, it's rare. Uh, you need to make sure you're doing your part. Uh, you need to look in the mirror and make sure you're not the gap, as we've talked about many times. Yep. But often that A group does have the most uh, potential. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested in your thoughts around the commitment ladder, which we've talked about in Gapology extensively, and how that how that ties in for you here. Yeah, I think you know pulling that out and really looking at the levels of commitment for your team can help you to define those A players. I think that's, you know, by starting there to see, okay, are these people really committed? Um, You know, or are they grudgingly compliant and just telling you what you want to hear? At what level on that commitment do you see them? And using that, I think, to start to place people on that ABC ranker, um, also to help with your nine box, I think, can help with that as well. Um, and then from there, you can define who are those people that would be living in that A level. Can I walk everybody through what it looks like? Yeah. So the so in Gapology, we go into detail around the commitment ladder. It's it's five steps, and you can literally plug your team in on the commitment ladder and see where they fall. And it's quite interesting. So the bottom level is non-compliant. So that one's pretty easy to deal with. They they aren't complying with what we believe in, what we uh, have directed, and uh, so they need to quickly change or go away. The next level up is scary. It's grudgingly compliant. Mm-hmm. So they often will say that they're all on board yeah. and <laughs> in, aligned and everything's great, but behind your back, they'll they'll say, no, I don't believe in this. Mm-hmm. They that cannot exist. So you have to be wary of that. The next level up is formal compliance. That's generally for someone that's new. They need to be directed in order to do their job. They don't just do it automatically. And again, for a temporary time frame, that's fine. If someone is formally compliant, ongoing, that holds back the organization. The next level up, which is the fourth level, is really where you want most of the team to be, and that's genuinely compliant. So they're aligned with the purpose. They do their jobs very well. They do their jobs without your input. They get it done. This is where the work gets accomplished. The results happen. The top level is committed. This can be a challenging group, but it's also the group that can lead you to another level. So they are committed. They often will rewrite the purpose or challenge it. So they can be somewhat difficult to manage, but they often do lead you to a better place. So the committed group, often a small group of, of individuals, is, is of great significance. They expect your attention. They like your time. And uh, they want you to listen to their ideas. And they may be the future leaders of the organization. And again, the one level below that, the genuinely compliant are really where you want the bulk 
of the organization to be. If they were all at the committed level, you'd have chaos. But that genuinely compliant level really gets it done. So we used to do sticky dots in meetings with our team as it relates to uh, this ladder. And it was quite interesting to talk through the team. And we found it to be pretty, you know, pretty important in terms of directing the leader on what to do, where to go, how to move the team forward. How, how's that sound? What What would you add, Brian? Yeah, the the last piece I would add is, um, you know, as you were uh, mentioning that top group, that that committed level can be hard to manage, and there's massive risk there. If if they are undermanaged or underled, I would say um, they can easily slide down the ladder. So because they're so committed to delivering the results, if they're not provided that leadership, they can slide right down and usually they'll land around that grudgingly compliant level. So if you have a group of people that are in that grudgingly compliant level, take a look at that. Take a step back and say, okay, what am I giving them? What am I not giving them as far as my leadership goes? I think that's where you could see some of those C players that you might you know, uh, put in that C level. Um, you may see them actually jump back up to an A-level if they're being provided the right type of leadership. Yeah, that's a great point. So when you combine all of this, you really do know where to invest, where to invest your time, who to invest in, you know, where the future lies and what you need to do. Because often you as a leader have a significant impact here. So pretty significant stuff, Brian. What do you? What do you, yeah. what do you have in closing? Yeah, no, I would just say, just start to think about your people um, through that lens. They, I, I like to think of it as an ROI. So people ROI, right? So each hiring and promotion decision, I think should be looked at through that lens. Uh, the return that we get from the investment in our team all depends on you and, and your leadership, the way that you lead them. I think, you know, defining it can be complicated, somewhat theoretical, but I think there's some, you know, great methods within Gapology that can help, uh, you know, identify who the best people would be to have uh, a major investment in. No, I love that. And it is an actual return on investment. Yep. It's real. This is very real. You will get a return on, on investment. And if you don't do it, you won't. Right. Yeah. You won't. <laughs> yeah. Nope. You know, this is, this is why you're the leader. Right. This is it. Yeah. You know, on, on the balance sheet, you're, you're always looking at expenses. Um, a lot of times when you're looking at payroll and um, benefits and things like that. But, you know, it's, shift your lens a little bit and look at it through the lens of an actual investment to receive an ROI. Yeah, this is well said. I mean, it's, it's, it's very real. Brian and I used to measure the number of cartons that were processed by someone and put to the shelf in a retail store. And we found that the top performer put 10 times the cartons to the shelf, processed 10 times the cartons of the bottom performer. <laughs> That's how big the gap can be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. You know, 10 times the production. And we've seen that over and over again. Regardless of the business, regardless of the organization, the gap between the top and the bottom, 
is massive. And where to invest your time is generally with that top group because they still don't know what you know. And you can help them, you know, achieve levels that you can't even dream of. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, very good. I think this is good, Mark. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Okay. uh, I'm going to miss you on Thanksgiving. So sorry about that. Yeah. I'll still call you. Okay. (laughs) That'll work. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving to all our listeners as well. Enjoy the week off. Uh, But, uh, you know, if you really are uh, craving our voices, there's lots of older um, content. Certainly give last week's, you know, one to listen, especially if you haven't had a chance to listen to that as well. So everybody have a, a great holiday. Thanks, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Talk to you later, Mark. All right, that'll do it from here. For more information on Gapology, head on over to our website, gapology.org. Everyone have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you soon. This has been a Gapology Institute production. Visit us at gapology.org.